stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to discuss the recovery stocks, as I like to call them. Should you dive into these and with COVID cases having, uh, you know, we had some of the outbreaks, but those cases have peaked for the second time, I guess, let's call it. They peaked in late July. And so the number of cases in some of these big outbreak states like Florida, Tennessee, yeah, Tennessee, Texas, um, California look like maybe they're starting to, you know, bend the curve a bit, go down, and maybe the worst of now the second outbreak is over. So does that mean that we're going to be reopening more areas of the economy again? returning a little bit more to normal life again and hoping that we've bent the curve enough going into the fall here to avoid another case set of outbreaks. It could. So we have some data that's kind of showing that things are starting to look a little bit better here, at least on what I call the recovery stocks and the recovery industries. And these would be like travel, hospitality, those key areas where um, we just weren't doing them at all in the height of the outbreak. And then people pulled back again when we had some of these big state outbreaks over the summer. And now maybe we're willing to explore a little bit more, right? So the number of travelers who are flying right now reached a new high this week through the TSA data, you know, going through the screenings at the airports. And it's the highest since March 15th. So that's a good stat. It's moving in the right direction again, because that had been a little iffy over the last uh, six, seven weeks with these outbreaks increasing. So we're now heading back, turning back into the right direction again. It doesn't mean that, um, you know, flying is anywhere close to being back to normal and the capacity is back to normal, but the number of travelers is increasing again. So that's good. More people are also staying at hotels now than in the spring. And a lot of travelers are finding out uh, what the hotels are doing. They are trusting in the hotels with their strategy to make the consumer feel safe. And, um, you know, things like putting the plastic on the door so that you know that it was cleaned and no one has been in there. Also not sending in housekeeping if you stay multiple days. Uh, There's no longer buffets at a lot of the free breakfasts, but they're like, just bring you the meal, things like that. And that's bringing some confidence back to the hotel uh, hospitality area. But caution still does remain because there are still a lot of restrictions in place, both in the U.S. and worldwide. We haven't really here in America been given the green light to go to many places, but you can still go to Mexico for one, and then um, a couple other small countries are letting us in, but Mexico is one of the bigger ones that you can still go to. So most of the travel is still restricted for Americans, but worldwide it's starting to open up more. I know that one of the top travel destinations in Asia, Bali, is expected to reopen to international travelers in about a month, I believe. I think it's like September 1st. 
or maybe that's a little less than a month now. So a couple weeks, we'll see what happens there. But some of these countries starting to reopen again and the travel industry should hopefully be picking up. But on the bad side, uh, some of this pickup is from these very low levels and the demand still just isn't going to be there probably for the rest of this year to sustain the huge uh, number of employees and locations and things that some of these companies have. So some industries are still set to lay off several thousand people in the fall. And some of those, I've seen some of the layoff announcements from hotels and from the airlines, unless there's some kind of bailout money or further PPP or, you know, these kinds of assistance from the federal government to avoid those layoffs. But some of them are looking to kind of right size operations for this lower level of demand. But I thought I'd take a look on this podcast at a few of these industries and who you might want to be in if you're going to be in any of them. Because once we start to get this feeling of like, oh, the recovery could be happening and demand is starting to increase, maybe I do want to be in some of these over, oversold uh, travel and leisure stocks. So I'm going to start with the airlines. And I picked out a couple just to take a look at to see how bad is it? <laughs> Should I be looking around in there and really with the airlines you want to go for the strength these are u.s airlines is the only ones i looked at and on the domestic side the strongest one is still going to be southwest ticker luv they're mostly domestic but they are flying to mexico including right now and they go to the caribbean but uh that puts them in a little bit different category than the you know, three major airlines that have huge international routes over to Asia and the very lucrative Europe routes. So Southwest does not go to Europe. So, but a lot of people like them for this reason because we are flying domestically, right? So we're more apt to go where Southwest is going and more people are going to Mexico now than the, just a few months ago. And we're gonna be entering into peak, peak Mexico and Caribbean season coming up here in the winter. And so that'll be interesting to see if borders are open, if there's no quarantines or what's going on, and if Americans just continue to want to escape the winter and head to these warmer climates. So Southwest LUV, it still is X number four, which is the cell. That's not the worst as the number five is the strong cell. It doesn't have a PE because it is going to see a loss of 635 this year, but it's expected to make $1.39 next year. And pretty much the analysts have all the airlines bouncing back into um, a little bit better, you know, situation next year because everybody's hopeful that a lot of the things we're seeing now will have abated by next year and hopefully even with the vaccine. So they made 427 in 2019. So you can see even in 2021, $1.39 is still considerably below 2019 when everything was humming. They couldn't add capacity fast enough. Everybody was traveling. The economy was red hot. Um, things were good. Everyone wanted to go somewhere and uh, the airlines were having basically, you know, the Goldilocks type of situation. But now is now and still expected to make $1.39 next year. So not so bad, we'll see if it holds. The second one I looked at was Delta DAL. They have one of the best balance sheets of the majors and they again have the lucrative European routes. 
uh, as well as others, but um, those are definitely some of the big ones that they've got. They don't have a PE either, expected to lose 948 this year. That's not a, unexpected. 2021, expected to make $1.57, but 90 days ago, they were expected to make 232. Nine estimates have come down since their earnings report because it's not looking as hopeful um, as they once believed because of the outbreak still continuing. And so demand hasn't bounced back as quickly as they thought. So that's why the analysts had to do a little bit of cutting on the estimates there and get it down a bit. Now they made 731 in 2019. So you can really see how tough it's going to be for them even into next year, even with the rebound. So keep that in mind when you're looking at all of these airlines, think about what routes they fly, what type of customer they have. Can they even get to the places that they're flying? Does someone want to fly Hawaiian, for instance, and be on a longer haul flight? I know they're like nine to 11 hours on Hawaiian from Chicago to the Hawaiian Islands. So are people going to be flying that this winter? It all depends, right? Depends on the vaccine and what the state of the outbreaks are going to be. So, so keep that in mind when you're looking at all of these airlines and including the international ones, what is the state of their business? You're really going to have to start to dig a little bit deeper there. Okay, then I switched over to the cruise ships because they're in the news because they're starting to report earnings. And my favorite in the group has been and still continues to be Royal Caribbean. I like their routes. I like what they're doing with their ships. And they have good management. RCL is the ticker. There is X number five right here. That's the strong sell. Again, not surprising. Uh, things still look pretty dire this year, 2020. Supposed to lose $14.60. Another loss next year, 2021, of 501. Now, they made 954 in 2019. But again, that's when cruising was, you know, just killing it. They were operating on all cylinders. People had money to spend. Economy was good globally. We want to travel. People love cruising. And so they were able to cash in. But um, it's going to be slow going to get to get back. Now, to tell you kind of where the analysts were being more optimistic on the cruise ship companies just 90 days ago they expected three dollars and fifty cents in 2021 they did expect them to make money in 2021 but that was before when they thought they might be able to relaunch uh cruises in like august or maybe september but now they've pushed that back to october and that remains to be seen whether or not that's going to be happening maybe they might not cruise again until 2021 nobody knows and so analysts have gotten a little less bullish on what's going to happen. And so they've made some more cuts there. But uh, if they can get the cruises to go off at all in October, that will be a huge bonus. These shares will soar even more than they're doing right now on recovery hopes if they can even just get the business started again. So it's something to watch with them. Um, I'm still staying away from any kind of cruise ship companies here, which means I'll get in much later than everyone else like you know the recovery ought to be baked in by the time I'm, I'm even looking at them but I know some of you want to take the chance and so Royal Caribbean is my top name in the cruise uh, industry so go with the best if you're gonna go okay then I took a look at some of the hotels now there's a lot of hotel chains and a lot of them are publicly traded 
So which one do you look at? Well, I just went with one that I've stayed at. I am a member of their uh, loyalty program, but I'm not even like, I think I'm the very bottom of the barrel. <laughs> I've never even made like gold or whatever the, the second tier one is. I know it's lame, um, but Hilton, Hilton Worldwide, HLT is the ticker. They're number four. They have a lot of brands, many of us know, and I've been hearing from a lot of friends and relatives and stuff this summer of some of the brands people have been staying in and what they've liked. And Hilton has been mentioned many times. So they own Embassy Suites, the Hampton Inns, Hilton Garden Inns, just Hilton's, of course, uh, the Curios, the Conrad's, Doubletree, and they have this Home Two Suites, which I know a lot of people have tried to book because that's the suite type of hotel along with embassy suites where you have like a kitchen in there and you have the bedrooms. And so you don't have to eat out. You can cook in there or at least, you know, get the dominoes delivered in and you have a dining room table, all that kind of stuff. So both of those have been popular um, this summer as people have hit the road. But this one actually has a PE. I was surprised. I didn't expect to see a PE. So that means they are going to have positive earnings this year, hopefully. PE is 118 because it's still, uh, you know, slim pickings on the earnings. But for 2020, um, six estimates were cut in the last 30 days since they reported earnings, but still expected to see 71 cents for this year versus 99 cents 30 days ago. So again, the analysts have gotten a little more pessimistic on the hotels because the rebound hasn't been as quick as everybody hoped for in the spring but still having a rebound, just not as quick. 2021, they're looking for $2.19. That's down a little bit also from 90 days ago from 242, but not too shabby because they made 390 in 2019. That's when all the business travelers were, you know, raring to go. Again, the good economy, all of us traveling around for leisure trips and whatnot and globally because they do have global resorts. So um, that, should start coming back, as I said. So that didn't look too bad to me, Hilton Worldwide, HLT, again, is the ticker there. I, I looked briefly at the earnings for Hilton Grand Vacations. Some of you may be familiar with them. HGV is the ticker. This is their timeshare business that was spun off a couple of years ago. And the timeshares are always dubious during recessions, right? They Who's going to buy a timeshare if you're out of work? <laughs> you're not. But this is a weird recession. This isn't a normal one. So there's whole industries that people are keeping their jobs. And so maybe you might want to buy a timeshare because you feel more comfortable owning a portion or going somewhere at a resort for two weeks where you are staying in like a resort condo type of situation. So maybe this time timeshares might not do so badly during this recession. So this one too has a PE, it's 193, however, but now they're expected to see a loss of 13 cents. Just the estimates were just cut on this, um, down from a, a gain of 14 just 30 days ago. So, but that's not so bad again, considering what the market conditions are like. 2021 expected to make $1.58 versus 208 from 30 days ago. Um, and they only made 211 in 2019. So to go from 211 to $1.58, that's not so bad. That's almost, you know, getting most of the business back. So we'll see what happens with these timeshares. There's also a Marriott timeshare 
that trades publicly as well. If you're interested in that one, I forget the ticker now. There's a couple of them actually of the on the timeshare side. So you have both the hotels and the timeshares, and it's just recently been revealed that Airbnb may finally be filing for its IPO coming this month in August of 2020. So that could be another way to play the leisure side. Now, I did take a look at one of the hotel and resort companies that does publicly trade. There were a couple of them, but some have been bought out now. So there's a lot fewer of the specific like resorty type of companies that publicly trade. But one of the ones I follow you may not be aware of is Playa Hotels and Resorts, ticker PLYA. And anybody who's been to Mexico immediately thinks, well, wow, this must be, you know, some Mexican resorts. And it is. They have resorts and hotels in Mexico, Jamaica, and the Dominican Republic. And the crazy thing with this company is all of their resorts were shut in the second quarter. They had zero occupancy. I don't think we could ever imagine seeing that. And it is a little shocking to see on their balance sheet. I'm sure as a business, they can't believe they've ever seen that either. Because even if there's a hurricane in one country, probably not going to be in the others based on where their ge- geography is. You know, Mexico is going to be open even if Jamaica is shut down. <laughs> so un- unusual to see all three areas shut down, but they have now reopened. As of July 1st, many of their resorts are reopening. They're starting to see a buildup in demand and in business. But again, at least with their Mexico resorts, you have to watch for government restrictions Some of those have been in place where they're only limited to 25 or 30% occupancy with their Mexico resorts. So where are they? They have them in Cancun. They're in Los Cabos. They have one, the Hyatt Ziva in Puerto Vallarta. They have names, brand hotels you would know. They, in Dominican, they have the Hilton La Romana, which used to be the dreams there, I believe. Um, These are all inclusive resorts that, some are adults only, and then they have some family ones like the Panama Jack Resorts. They have the Jewel Grande in Motigo Bay, and they have the Hilton Rose Hall in Jamaica. So you might be familiar with these. I am as well. And so I was curious, like, can they survive? I was concerned when you see that they're completely shut down. They did have uh, some cash on hand going into this, but they did have to seek outside funding because they just need money to stay afloat until demand returns. So they did get funding, so they do have that. But looking at the estimates here, 2020 expected to lose $1.05 this year, still seeing a loss in 2021 down of a 40, 42 cents, a loss of 42 cents. That is worse uh, than before they just reported earnings. So the analysts are a little more pessimistic now. Two Estimates have been lowered in the last 30 days for both 2020 this year and 2021 after that earnings report. So they made seven cents in 2019. So you can kind of see how far they still have to go to get back to the go-go times. These were, you know, the peak travel times, and it's going to take more than just six months now. We can tell from what the companies are saying and what the customers are doing to get back there, but everything is moving in the right direction with most of these companies, except for the cruise ships where they were maybe a little too hopeful and obviously they're not cruising yet. So now they've had to cut back those, but, and then a little bit with the airlines, little uh, hope that the demand would come back faster than it did, but we had further outbreaks and then it didn't. But 
most of it is looking a little bit better. They're moving in towards the right direction into 2021. 2020, again, is going to be just the write-off year. Um, but how quickly can they get back to that demand? It all is going to depend on what the governments do with the restrictions and when you can say have like 50% occupancy and whether or not there's going to be more outbreaks. All of these things are unknown. We haven't known them all year long. So that's what makes it so difficult to invest in these companies and kudos to the management at all of these companies for trying to navigate what is, you know, their biggest challenge ever in their histories, most likely. So um, keep that in mind. A lot of these companies are really for traders, not so much for investors, but those who you know take some extra risks and dive in earlier sometimes are rewarded because again by the time the earnings turn around and are positive again with some of these where it's not then it'll all be priced in you know the good news will already be in there so any kind of little recovery any kind of you know more people flying anything like that is a good sign for these stocks and you'll see a jump in the stocks so let me recap the tickers again. These, this is only a small little piece of this bigger universe of all these stocks in these industries. These are just ones I happen to just pick out because I'm familiar with them or I feel like they're some of the strongest in their industries. So also keep that in mind, try to buy strength. So the first one was Southwest. It is the strongest of the domestic airlines. LUV is the ticker. Delta, strong of the international big major airlines, U.S. Airlines, DAL. Royal Caribbean, I like it the most out of all the cruise ships. RCL is the ticker there. Hilton, HLT is the ticker. And then we had Hilton Grand Vacations, which is the timeshare. That's going to be more risky because we don't really know what's going to happen there during a recession. Um, shouldn't be good, but it might be, strangely enough. We don't know. HGV is the ticker. And then the small little resort company that few people know about, Playa Hotel and Resorts. Maybe I just like it because I really want to go there <laughs> to any of the resorts. But um, if you're interested in the comeback on the all-inclusives in the Caribbean, that is the play to be looking at. P-L-Y-A is the ticker there. And as always, I'm going to be bringing you more shows on what's happening with the recovery. I am going to have John Blank, our chief equity strategist, on again soon to talk about where the economy stands. Because it's been a couple months here since we last heard from him. We're going to check in to see if he's gotten any more bullish about the recovery and what where things stand. So I'm going to have him on and I'm going to do some more on some trading techniques. So you don't want to miss a single episode. We are on Apple Podcasts and we are on Spotify. I know some of you are getting us on Spotify, so we can definitely be found there. And we're on SoundCloud, our number one platform where you'll get two for one shows with the Value Investor Podcast as well. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks.
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.